Welcome to the Stranger Conversations podcast, where we explore the lives and lessons of those around us, hidden in plain sight. I'm your host, Tay Jones. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Stranger Conversations podcast. Guys, this is the first official episode of the show, and today we have our first official guest. Her name is Caitlin Toole, a veterinary nurse who has spent most of her adult life helping animals, working closely with tigers, lions, and giraffes. She's also a motorcycle enthusiast, a mother, and much more. It was great to get to know Caitlin a bit while we took a walk through her life and adventures. I think you'll find her passion and knowledge of animals as fascinating as I did, and I think you're going to learn a little bit about life and parenting as well. Let's take a little listen to some of the things Caitlin shared during our conversation. I got married when I was 19 um, to a Marine that I had known for a few months. I would have never had the opportunity if I hadn't have, you know, married that jerk in Hawaii and then ended in Alabama. I flew out to North Carolina, and in total, we did 14,000 miles on a Harley over two and a half months. My boss calls us and says, hey, there's actually a bear cub that needs to come back to California. And also, oh, there's also a, a baby alligator, and we're, we, need, we need you to bring it back. So we pulled over in the back of an Arco gas station, and we'll, we're, we're driving in a minivan and we have a bear and alligator in the back. Like this is ultimate Florida man adventure. I'm like, well, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. How do we know what to name it? So we Googled how to sex an alligator. How do you tell if an alligator is a boy or a girl? We as, as zookeepers are generally better with animals than people so we're bad at communicating what is really going on to the public so i don't blame the public really for for hating us it does not pay well i will always struggle financially you always respect that they are always wild they they doesn't matter how much you feed them doesn't matter how much time you spend with them you can't love the wild out of them that's what mrs carol baskin doesn't quite know an animal will never lie to you. An animal will never um, deceive you or, or double back or make what you see is what you get. And so being able to focus, I think, and, and take in the moment and not be, you know, impatient and frustrated about the rest of what else is going on, you know, I think that definitely is something that's helped with my parenting. That was part of the problem, was I was working so, 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 so much that I was not able to spend time with my daughter. And she's learning the value of hard work and it pays off, you know, and she has a good work ethic, which whatever she decides to do, um, she can take that good work ethic and apply it to, you know, whatever career she wants to do. Hunting is so important to uh, the sustainability of an environment. Over there at the lion farm, looking at everything, he says, you know, who am I to say that this creature is more magnificent than the cow who's being farmed for our needs and our uses? The quality of my work is the quality of their life. Trust me, 
I have spent more hours crying over these animals than you ever would consider. Completely freeing because the rest of the world does not exist in that moment. And you get the weight of the world lifted off your shoulders and you get to focus on what's in front of you. When a wild animal looks at you and chooses to spend time with you of their own will, this completely wild animal says, hey, I want to spend time with you. There's literally nothing like it. With animals, it's just love. You know, your actions and your job and your career has an impact. And I think it's important for people to be invested in that. How are you going to change the world, whether your world is, you know, your tiny corner and, you know, the bottom two thirds of Southeast Napa or your world is the actual world? All right, guys, I think you're going to like this episode. Now let's get on with the conversation. Hello. Hi, is this Caitlin? Yes. Hey, Caitlin, this is Tay with the Stranger Conversations podcast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I had you saved on my calendar, so I wouldn't forget. Okay, good. Good. I'm glad you answered. How's your day been going? Oh, it's going pretty good. How about you? Oh, it's good. I just got back from my daughter's first um, progress report at her new school, so that was good. She got oh. all A's and B's. Nice. Well, so yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm sure they're probably doing some homeschool stuff, yeah? Or are they actually going to school? So I found the loophole, and I actually sent her to the school. I went to Seventh-day Adventist school, and I sent her to my school that I used to go to. It's private. And so they actually are able to go four days a week oh, wow. um, in class, and it's because it's smaller, and they can kind of regulate things. And it's been amazing. It's she's loving it. She's doing a really good job. So oh, that's great. She's in, she's in third grade. So yeah, yeah. I actually have a third grader myself, but he's not really going to school. You know, we're trying well, to he's doing Zoom stuff. Yeah, struggling through the the homeschool stuff. Yeah, we did that for a little bit, and it sucks. But yep. yeah, yeah. I think it, it is everybody's life for yes. the moment least, anyway. Yeah, so at least everybody gets it now, you know, cuz everybody's doing it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we're live and recording on the show. Okay. All right. So, I know uh not no pressure, but uh Caitlin, you are the very first guest on this show. Really? Oh my god. <laughs> yes, you are. The first official guest. So, this will be episode 2, which uh, is our first official episode. I texted all my friends and told them I was nervous. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, nothing to be worried about. But, you know, as, uh, you know, kind of the whole purpose of this show is to talk to, you know, strangers, people that I've never met. And, right. uh, you know, to, to try to learn a little bit about their lives and any lessons that they may have. Well, I'm definitely strange. So you got that part down. Hey, perfect. That's great. That's what the show is all about. Good. And. So one of the things uh, when you signed up, because some of our listeners might not know because they haven't signed up for uh, an episode yet. Uh, well, first of all, I want to welcome you to your episode of the show. <laughs> right. Um, so when you signed up, that there is a very small portion that if you want, you can add a little blurb about, uh, you know, if there's anything that you want us to know before the show. So one of the things that you put in there was that you wanted to share with people about, you know, just some of the, the works you've done over your life with helping animals throughout the world. 
Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure if I should put a lot or a little and just let things go how they go. Or... Yeah, I think that's kind of more the point is just to let things go as they go. But it's it's good to have a little bit of a background on kind of what you're interested in talking about and sharing with people. Um, so we will get to that, I promise. But I, I would like to get to know Caitlin a little bit. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, how I found out about you was through my friend, Samantha from the gym. Um, you're related to her somehow. So, um, here in Napa. So I grew up in Napa. Um, like I said earlier, um, I grew up super religious, Seventh-day Adventist. Like we didn't eat meat, didn't go. Oh, really? We were not allowed to dance or wear jewelry or anything like that. Very, so that was very footloose. Yes, it, it was very footloose. <laughs> and even in Napa, so some people don't know the history of Napa, that there were no there was no dancing allowed in the bars in Napa for several years. Really? Um, and then there's a bar in Napa, Henry's, that's now closed, that um, they actually had a sign up that was from back when it literally was illegal to dance in bars in Napa. Wow. So Napa really is like the footloose town, randomly. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I never knew that. I'd spent some time there myself when I was younger, but I was yeah. not aware of that fact. Now you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I grew up here and just, I don't know, regular regular childhood. And then I found a life hack and went to school, uh, college in Hawaii, um, and studied animal science out there. And there's a scholarship that makes it so that I pretty much paid the same as I would have for in-state tuition for California. Okay. Um, so I went out there and went to school. It was terrifying, hard to focus, all of that. And, um, (laughs) part of the fun part of my crazy life is I got married when I was 19 okay. um, to a Marine that I had known for a few months Yeah, and um, ended up from there in Alabama because that's where he was from. So, so you've really uh, gone all over the board about where you've yeah, lived and everything. And Texas and, oh, well, and then before I went to college, I traveled to Madagascar uh, just study the, if you've seen the, you have kids, so you've seen the Madagascar, the movie. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yes. So we like to move it, move it. Yep. Um, so the bad guys in the movie are called Fusa. Mm-hmm. And they're actually, they look like a cross between a cat and a dog, but they're actually part of the mongoose family. And they live on the island of Madagascar. Now, is that what um, the King Julian is in the movie? Yeah. Okay. King Julian is a, a ring tail lemur, which they're endangered also. But the Fusa gotcha. are more endangered, and they're the ones – they look like a cat. They're brown. Hmm. So I went to Madagascar. I found a research project. And so when I turned 18, I flew there by myself um, to go live in the forest and research them for a month or so, a month or two. Um, and I did not realize it. At the time, um, that Madagascar is as far away as you can get from Northern California and still be on <laughs> Earth. So my poor parents, I like sent them a message, like "Screw you, I'm out of here," <laughs> and went as far as I could, literally get from them. Yeah, and um, I mean, do you were you were you running from your parents, like kind of that religious background, um, or I don't think it was quite as conscious as that. I think. Um, actually, if anything, I could thank my family for it. Like my great grandmother pa- had been a Sierra club member and she passed okay. away 
And I used the money that I got from inheritance from her to be able to take the trip. And even like my mom super supported me being (laughs) a crazy animal person. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it was quite that, but I think I was definitely ready to expand my horizons a little bit. Yeah. So you went, when you, you said it was hard to focus back in Hawaii, which I can only imagine. It's funny because I've, I've been to basically every state in the in the United States except for Hawaii. I've oh, had, okay. Yeah, I've had a lot of uh, connections in Hawaii. I've just never gotten out there for some crazy reason, but I've always wanted to go. But I could see how, you know, growing up with some of the background that you had moving to Hawaii, I think that would be, uh, you know, you kind of had some free reign and get to enjoy yourself a little bit on the beach and everything. Right. Like my mom couldn't just like, oh, I drove down for the weekend, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. And maybe, maybe that part was on purpose too, right? You're, yeah, you're kind of – you're. You're ocean locked out there. You can... <laughs> yeah, like she has to buy a whole plane ticket to come visit. Exactly. So no, I sound like I'm giving her a hard time, but no, they're, she's great. Yeah. But... So you were married to a Marine. Are you still married to the Marine? No, no. That was my first ex-husband. Gotcha. Okay. How many <laughs> ex-husbands have there been? There have been two. Two. Okay. Are you currently no. married now? No, no. Okay, so there's not a future ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you had kids. Uh, how many kids yeah. do you have? Uh, just the one daughter. She is eight. Her name is Emily. Nice. So she's, uh, yeah, she's a good one. I think I'll keep her. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad it worked out because you don't get a <laughs> you don't get a choice. You know, yeah. I actually had three yeah. sisters growing up, so I know how it is with the uh, you know the sisters and you know moms and daughters. You yeah. know that 12 to 18 mark is a little bit sketchy, but but. Mm-hmm. But if it's anything like my family, as soon as as soon as that 18th birthday comes around, they move out of the house. They'll be your best friend. <laughs> right, right. No, she's she's great. She's super smart. She loves animals. Any of my friends that have met her knows that she she has a really quick wit, and the things that come out of her mouth is something like a 25 year old would say. So that's great. You know, that's those are the things. You know, like when you're a kid, when you see a kid like that who has a lot of that, like you said, that quick wit, you know, those are the things you can't really teach them. You know, it's kind of yeah. those, those good life skills, you know, when you see a kid mm-hmm. that can converse with adults very well, that's, yes. it's always a good sign. So you must be doing yeah. something right. Right. Yeah. She's, she's a good one. Uh, but yeah, so the, the Marine husband ended, took me back to Alabama, which was fun. I, I actually liked Alabama. Um, yeah. I've, you know, obviously a country person kind of, and so, but things Beautiful didn't work there out. Too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Things just didn't didn't really work out when you only know somebody for a couple of months and marry them. Sometimes you're like, oh, wait, no. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. I did have the opportunity then. Um, I was in actually randomly the town that um, Yellow Wolf is from uh, and who's, you know, whatever rapper guy. Oh, was that, and, I was like, I've heard that name before, but I'm yeah, not sure who that was. Yeah, okay. He's from Gadsden, Alabama. And that's where I was living, which is the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but there's also a place called Tigers for Tomorrow out there. That's a, hmm. a tiger and big cat preserve that does rescue. They have about 150 animals out there and they get to come there and live out the rest of their lives from whatever else wherever oh, else wow. they were, like you know, private owners or um, there's plenty of good zoos, but like a bad zoo or a traveling circus or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I had had a little bit of experience volunteering at a zoo and I had worked on my degree 
And so I applied there. So I ended up being a big cat, tiger, lion, and bear keeper. Really? Keeper, trainer, whatever, behaviorist, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and I got to raise some cubs and some some bear cubs. And we would spend all day feeding and ta- taking care of all the animals out there. So Wow, that's amazing. I, I would have never had the opportunity if I hadn't have you know, married that jerk in Hawaii and then yeah. ended in Alabama. Well, and, and you kind of followed up with your passion and your degree, I, I assume. Did you get your degree in in uh, yeah, the animal in, science? In Hawaii, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. uh, I've actually never seen the, the show Tiger King, so this is something totally different, <laughs> right? This is not the Tiger no. King place that everybody talks about. So, no, this place is not. This is – it. it is a rescue. Um, however – uh, my boss was friends with Joe and Doc and all of them, and I have spent time with all of them. Really? Yeah. So you're like you're like the Tiger Queen then. Maybe <laughs> I like the lions are my favorite, but um, and actually he is a very gregarious, funny, hilarious, nice, kind person. Hmm. He just lives in a different reality than we all do. That's what it sounds like. I feel I feel guilty because I've never actually watched that show. You know, people say, oh, you have to watch it. And then some people say, don't ever watch it. I have been trying to tell people this story for eight years and no one wants to ever listen. And I'm like, you guys, this is crazy. How much time did you spend with the with the people on the show? Um, not a lot. Just a couple conferences down in Florida. Okay. Um, a couple dinners and like over the weekend here and there. I haven't been to their facilities. Um, and definitely those types of places I don't endorse just because they kind of put on a front and they are cub petting. And a lot of times the animals do get recycled through there. Gotcha. Um, and it's definitely important. Like when people go, overseas you go to mexico or whatever you're like oh my gosh a cute tiger cub and i get their lion cub for 20 bucks i can cuddle it and take a picture heck yeah yeah i've seen those i've seen those videos on youtube and they don't they don't always work out as as well (laughs) even for me i'm still like yeah i still want to hold it and it's so hard not to but when people do that they are perpetuating um the program of these people breed the animals and they have them as uh, cubs. And then when they get bigger, they end up in someone's backyard yeah. not being cared for or they're euthanized or so just the whole cub petting culture is something that, you know, and then that's where a lot of our animals would come from is they were, you know, not taken care of well. And then they stopped making money for their owners. And so they were discarded and a lot of times they would be killed. But when we step in, we're able to take them to this facility and let them live out their lives. Yeah. Yeah, You know, when you said, you know, they kind of end up in people's yards and stuff. So I actually spent a lot of my, my youth up in Alaska and they kind of the same thing, you know, the garbage bears, uh, there's a lot of regulations against, you know, when you can put your garbage out, et cetera, because once the bears kind of find out that, Hey, this can has food in it, then they kind of stop hunting on their own and scavenging on their own and they just come come into town. Yeah. yeah, and then and then of course then they end up having to be put down. Yeah, when they're wandering it's, in, it's a bummer. So we had some bears also, and bears are actually hilarious. Yeah, they're very smart. They have hilarious senses of humor. Um, we had one grizzly bear who liked to eat his grapes one at a time with his claws. <laughs> it's like Julius Caesar, Caesar just hanging out yeah. in his in his yeah. cage. <laughs> yeah, 
And there was a time I went down to Florida for a training to do some falconry work. And my roommate and coworker at the time we were there, my boss calls us and says, hey, there's actually a bear cub that needs to come back to California. And also, oh, there's also an, a baby alligator and we're, we, need, we need you to bring it back. So wow. we said, okay. I had never dealt with a baby bear or alligator before, but I'm guessing, I'm guessing the only thing I know about that is you probably want them in the, in two different pens. And that's about, (laughs) that's about the extent of my knowledge. You're doing great. Yeah. You you know what? Yeah. You can go ahead and quit your day job. Exactly. Yeah. I'm ready. Um, So we went and picked up this cub, which was just an unfortunate thing where the, the lady had these animals. She did not have enough money to separate them. Uh, so they bred and then she had a cub and she didn't have money to raise it. And so anyway, so we took him and we have him like in a dog crate. He weighs probably like 25, 30 pounds. And then we have the baby alligator in a separate dog crate. That's probably <laughs> two or three feet long. Okay. And we're like thinking about names for them, you know, cause we're, I'm like a 20, one 22 year old girl at this point like oh what name should it should we name it and then we're like with the alligator i'm like well i don't know if it's a boy or a girl how do we know what to name it so we googled how to sex an alligator how do you tell if an alligator is a boy or a girl yeah we'll do tell i have no idea they're not sexually dimorphic so so that means that uh you know the male and female look different from each other you know like a a deer the male antlers the female does not they're sexually dimorphic alligators not so much so you tell by one way you take your finger and put it up in their cloaca or their little vent area where they would defecate from and if you feel around and you feel something it's a male and if you don't feel something it's a female. Well, <laughs> so you said that's one way. What's the second way? Because I think maybe I'd like to try the second way. I don't know the second way. Oh, you don't know the second way. Okay. <laughs> so maybe, that's yeah, maybe that's the only that. way. That's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we pulled over in the back of an Arco gas station. <laughs> so you're driving You're driving this baby bear we're, and alligator? We're driving in a minivan, and we have a bear and alligator in the back. Like this <laughs> ultimate Florida man adventure. I would, I would love to see you get pulled over and just explain what's going on. <laughs> we, had, we had permits. We were completely legal. But, yes, yeah, so we pulled over behind the Arco, and we did Rochambeau of who was going to do the exploring, yeah. me and Artia. That's fair, though, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can't deny yeah. the Rochambeau. So who? Uh, who, who so I guess if you if you lost, then you're, you're, you're the one sticking the finger in there to figure out if it's a male or female. Yeah. So was that you? I yeah. You I lost. you know I don't usually raffles things like that I don't usually win so yeah <laughs> okay. so anyway so her name is Alexis so it was a girl okay it was a girl Alexis all right Alexis yes yeah, so we did that um, and then we we took her back up to the preserve and I harness trained her and I target trained her so she was able to be an ambassador for uh, the kids. And people coming to visit, and uh, they could see her out and walking and moving instead of, yeah. you know, most of the time you go to see an alligator somewhere and you're like, is that a log or is exactly, that it? Exactly, yeah. Or yeah, or, or they're all just hiding and you never see them. 
So, so I want to step back though, because you said you harness train them. Like you taking this alligator on a walk? When she was little, yeah. Really? So I put her on a harness just so I could have a little control over her. And then, um, so operant conditioning is positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement type of things. So, okay. um, you can ask them to do something. When they do it, you do a bridge, you reinforce them, you give them a treat. You can do this with your coworkers. You can do this with your kids. You can do it with anybody. Um, it's not, yeah, it's nothing special. Yeah. So I would just, I would have her on the harness and we would also take her swimming in the pool with us. We had like a saltwater pool. Really? So, I mean, so, do you lock the mouth shut somehow? Or no. do you just trust that she's, you know, not hungry? Um, I just pay attention to her behavior. Really? And get to know her. And it's the same thing. So we are free contact with the tigers and the lions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always respect that they are always wild. Yeah. They, they doesn't matter how much you feed them. Doesn't matter how much time you spend with them. You can't love the wild out of them. That's what Mrs. Carol Baskin doesn't quite know. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's how we're able to interact with them is yes, we do have the relationship, but always trust that they're always wild and you always have a backup watching the animals like, Oh, Hey, just by the, just so you know, so-and-so flicked his tail just now. Yeah. Oh, he's licking his lips. Oh, he moved his ear funny or he's distracted or there's something scary going on over here. So kind of the same mm-hmm. with, with most animals or even people, you're just reading the body language and you yeah. know, you know, you're just, just reading, reading the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reading the room. Yes. So just listening to what they have to say, and if they're not having a good day, not pushing it, just being like, okay, I will see you tomorrow. Yeah. And so what's, you, know? you also mentioned something besides the harness training. You said target training. What exactly is that? Um, so you can do that with a, you know any animal. Um, I did it also with giraffes up at Safari West. Um, so you can you have something, a tennis ball at the end of a stick is a lot of times what people use. And the animal is just habituated to when I touch that, I get a treat. Um, So you can use that for a million different things. You can use it to move an animal from place to place. Um, When I did it with the giraffes, I taught them to come forward and then they would hold their nose to it and keep their nose still. Hmm. And then we habituated them to actually having their blood drawn voluntarily so they could leave at any time, but they chose to stay and get their treats instead. Really? So we we're able to do um, some different blood testing things. Um, actually, we could bank their blood and do stem cells, create stem cells from it and bank wow. the stem cells so that we can use it um, across the nation with other zoos and aquariums uh, that have these animals. Um, and like if there's a critical baby or something, then... Um, we're like, oh yeah, we've, we've got blood for you. We've got stem cells we can treat and we share it kind of as a whole group. Yeah. Interesting. I, I never thought about that. Like, I mean, we have blood banks and those types of things, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. it's kind of that same thing for the animal world as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got this whole underground zookeeper world going on. Yeah. Um, what did you name the bear? I haven't found that. Um, so, okay. So there were already two young bears, um, named Basil and Sage. Uh, there were black bears that were at the, at tiger, Tigers for Tomorrow. So we named this one Pepper. Okay. So Pepper, Basil, and Sage. Wow. Um, get the, get the, the theme, the yeah, spice theme. Yeah, definitely. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. and, and where were you taking both of these animals? So from Florida, where was the from end goal? Florida back, back to Alabama. Oh, back so to Alabama. Okay. They were, being, they were being rescued. Yeah. Gotcha. They just needed new homes. Yeah. So. And how long does an alligator live? I mean, it seems like they could live forever. They're like dinosaurs. Yeah, um, right. I'm not sure how long they live. Um, so Alex- I, Alexis is probably still alive. I and mean, what year was that? Oh, absolutely. That was probably 10 years ago. I mean, they probably okay. 50, 60. That's yeah. total, total guess. I actually really don't know much about reptiles, but um, yeah. I do know they have incredible um, antibodies in their blood and they're able to fight off infection really well. Um, like if they lose a leg or something in a fight uh, in that nasty water that they live in a lot yeah. of times, uh, they're able to um, fight off the, the infection. And some people are studying their blood to figure out those antibodies and use that in human medicine. Wow, interesting. But I don't know how old they go. Yeah, so. yeah, it's almost like a parrot, you know, where you have to like will it to your children <laughs> if you had it as yeah. a pet. Yeah. They just live forever. Yeah, yeah. well, but, and again, important for people to not be like, let's get an alligator in the pet trade because, like you just said, you're going to be dealing with it for a long time. Yeah. So. Well, did, how, besides having to stop on the side of the road and sexing an, alliv- an alligator, how did the rest of that trip go? The rest was okay. Um, it wasn't too long of a drive. We did have to stop occasionally. Um, Pepper was um, being bottle fed, so we had to figure out how to do that. Um, so every couple hours we had to stop, and we found out that um, when he gets finished with his, he would eat two bottles at a time and they're specially formulated, um, carnivore milk diet. Uh, well actually omnivore. Um, when they, when he's finished with his first bottle, if you don't get the second bottle into his mouth fast enough, he will bite the sh- crap out of his <laughs> arm. Really? So okay. we learned that. So that was good to know. Did you have to like stop on the side of the road and, and let them go to the bathroom, like with a little harness or the people passing you guys yeah. just looking like, what the heck is going on? No, that was good. That would be a little risky. So we just, they just had their crates and um, they had enough room to move around. And it was only about a seven or eight hour ride. So yeah, it was okay. So yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, you said something else in there about doing some work with falcons, doing some falconry, and that that has always fascinated me. Um, you know, I mean, it's such an interesting sport, you know, that, that these people do with these birds. Yeah, yeah, that I kind of touched on that a little. I didn't learn much about it. It's funny, I have a bunch of tattoos, um, and I always say I hate birds, and they freak me out, and I, I can never tell what they're thinking, and they just make me nervous. But I have three separate bird tattoos on my body. And so people who know me, they're like, you say you hate birds, but you have them all over you. (laughs) Yeah, I have kind of a weird thing with birds too, but I just don't like it when their wings are in and they kind of are walking around with no arms. That kind of freaks me out a little bit. But I'm okay okay once they open their arms, you know, or their wings spread a little bit. I I like arms. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, and uh, a while ago, you said you ended up in Texas as well. Was that dealing with animals or was that uh, just traveling? That was, I guess that was, that's hard. That was on the way to, before we ended up back in Alabama, um, when my ex first got out of the military, he did underwater welding school. And oh, wow. then we were, in, we were in Texas for a minute. Um, and I worked at a vet clinic there and um, it was fun. I, I like Texas, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Not, and it wasn't for very long that we were there. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. You. But, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, that's all. Oh. That's all. That's, that's all there is about Texas. I turned 21 in Texas. They didn't even ID me that day, and it was a bummer. <laughs> yeah, all that work for nothing, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned too. You know, your mom was okay. Uh, when you, w- you went to school, because, you know, that was kind of your passion. You loved animals. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned about your daughter really loves animals. Um, so that was kind of your thing as a kid. You've just always been interested in animals. and Yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. People ask me all the time how I ended up in this career. And I didn't grow up in the country or anything. We, we lived in the suburbs. But um, my mom let me take horseback riding lessons when I was a kid from very, a very young age, and uh, we had a lot of dogs. Um, we just kind of, I don't know, I guess. So, yeah, the horses were a lot, a big part of it, and I, I showed horses for a long time. I oh, was really? that weird I was that weird kid in the school, you know, the one, <laughs> you know, the one, the, the one that always has, like, a horse binder, yeah, a horse totally. like, everything is horses. Yeah. Um, and and then I, when I was in high school, I did go to that private school, but I took some classes at um, Vintage at the public school, and I took farm classes where I was able to raise a pig. Hmm. And so I did that for a couple of years and learned a lot of stuff out there. And that's actually when I took it to the au- the the auction fair thing. I you, you take letters to people to say, hey, come buy my pig at auction. This is why I'm a good student and I've worked so hard and mm-hmm. this. And I took one, my mom's ER nurse. And so she knows all the, the first responders in town. And so I took one letter to the fire department and I took one letter to the police department and um, let them each know that I had done that. So then they came to the auction ready to throw down against each other. Oh, nice. That was a good tactic. And so, and so <laughs> my dad didn't fail also. So. There, there you go. Um, so then they just um, bid each other up and it got like, I sold this pig for like $2,500. Wow. Um, and then was able to buy my first car. So uh, oh, that's amazing. It worked out, but yeah, but yeah just, I was able to learn about animals that way and, my mom, we were always outside. We're always on trips. We're always looking at stuff, poking bugs and yeah. that type of thing. So she yeah. always encouraged us to do those things. That's good. Um, and actually, who won the bid? Was it the police officers or the firemen? I think it was the fire department. Fire department. I wonder what yeah. they did with the pig. <laughs> they had a little fire pig. Oh, oh I'm sure. They had a little barbecue. Somebody. Yeah, for sure. They probably split it up and shared it. Because yeah. everybody knows firefighters just spend so much time in the firehouse cooking. That's right. That's always the thing. The police officers give them a hard time. They're just losing, but yeah. not you. <laughs> um, well, that's what they say. You know, the, the reason that, you know, the fire department, ex- or excuse me, the police department exists because fire, firemen need heroes also. That's kind yeah. of the thing. You know? <laughs> yes. yes. But hey, you know, wouldn't make a bad husband. Nancy can be uh, good in the kitchen. So. Yeah, that's right. And they get a lot of time <laughs> off too. That's another amazing <laughs> thing about being a fireman. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I actually I started to go to the fire academy or the fire explorers. Also, it was oh, really? something I was always interested in, um, but I didn't like the the hierarchy of everything, so yeah, I I didn't end up pursuing that. But I always thought it was it was a cool thing. 
Yeah, you know, they deal so much with, uh, you know, the medical side of it, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to the fire stuff. But yeah. that, yeah, you know, I've always thought about it myself, but yeah, just the medical stuff never interested me. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm okay with that. Like I do all of those things for animals now because I'm also a veterinary nurse. That's actually what I'm doing currently. Okay. So you're still in the, the field of animals. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, fast forwarding through lots of stuff. I ended up, I was at Safari West for several years as the lead giraffe keeper there. We had uh, several giraffes and I was there through the 2017 fires and wow. that was crazy. We put out the fire ourselves. So and I where, to... where is this uh, Safari um, West? Safari West is halfway between Calistoga and Santa Rosa. Oh, okay. So it's over, yeah. it's in the Napa area then. Yeah, okay. so it's about it's a four hundred four. Oh gosh, my dog's yep, It's no a four hundred acre um, preserve that has about together about a thousand animals, uh, mostly African hoof stock, and they're kind of all on open range. Wow, I had um, no idea that that was there. It's really it's like heaven on earth. It's really really an amazing special place, um, and there's cabins people can stay there. Um, so they, we had the 2017 fires and they actually burned through the property really? and the property or the, the owner, he stayed, everyone else had to leave and he stayed overnight and he fought the fire himself with a hose and trucks and crazy things. Wow. And then the next day, a few of us were able to kind of sneak back in and we used our fire, we had a water truck and everything and kind of used that to help and we did not lose a single animal wow which was amazing so wow so giraffes that'd be a very interesting life man interesting um one of the things uh or excuse me not one of the things but you would you talk about the safaris what safari west i didn't even know that was there is that like a privately funded uh adventure it is it is privately owned yes yeah Wow. So Peter Peter Lang is the owner, and he kind of started out as just a private collector. Um, he actually worked, um, his father worked in Hollywood with a lot of animals, and he was down in L.A., and then he kind of got a few different types of antelope, and he liked them, and then he moved up, moved up to Northern California. He was using them originally just for grazing, mm-hmm. and then he kind of added on and added on, and then he married the wife. His wife is was the curator of birds from the San Francisco Zoo, and so they wanted to create. They just kept having their their friends over to see all these animals, and so they wanted to create something educational and positive yeah. um, for the animals and and for the people. Um, they're not a rescue. Some people think that they are. Um, they are breeding facility, but what's great about them is that they work with what's called the SSP mm-hmm. or the species survival program. Okay. Um, and so what that is, is genetic, uh, databases that are shared across the United States of helping keep these species gen- genetically diverse and breeding them appropriately so that, um, like there's a type of antelope called the, the addicts or the ADAX. Okay. That actually became extinct in the wild um, because of habitat loss, uh, poaching, just general hunting, all kinds of environmental issues. Um, and because there was enough private owners and zoos across the world, they were actually able to use the captive animals to create a breeding population and reintroduce these animals back into the wild, um, which is just 
to me, so exciting that we are literally out here, like saving the world quietly. Um, but because of the animals that we have in captivity and the genetic diversity that we have and the technology that we have, we can now, uh, responsibly reintroduce these animals back into the world, back into the wild, getting things balanced again, the way that they're supposed to be. And it's just, it's one of the most exciting, I get all nerdy talking about it. And you still work there today. Um, I don't anymore. Oh, you don't? Okay. (laughs) Um, I was, I love working there. Um, that was part of the problem was I was working so, 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 so much that I was not able to spend time with my daughter. And it's about, it's about an hour, 15 hour, 20 minutes, one way to go out there. Um, and we like the giraffes to stay out as long as possible during the day. So, you know, a lot of times I was the first one there and then the last one to leave, I was working 10, 11 hours a day. Yeah. And plus the drive, <clears throat> and it, the pay is not great, but that's just the industry. Yeah, so that's I more just, of a passion industry. You know, you yeah. get into that, yeah. and the, you know the yeah. pay is just you know a, a yeah. sideshow to what you're doing that you love. And you know, it's not all roses and butterflies and things. It's it's a really emotionally taxing job. You know, animals die, and especially when you have a breeding facility. It's just, just just how it goes, Um, especially young animals in the wild. It's like one in eight babies make it Uh, in captivity. That number is 10 times. I mean, it's way higher, but still sometimes babies don't make it. And then you bottle feed them and you put your heart into them and you take them home and you nurse them and they don't make it anyway. And Mm -hmm. so it can be very emotionally taxing. Um, But uh, so it was, it was multiple things. So I stepped away from there, and then I ended up at Six Flags for a little while with the tigers and the lions. Wow. Um, but COVID, they shut down for um, you know obvious reasons. Yeah. And I was the newest baby hire, so I got laid off. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that um, I think in your bio or something that you are a big motorcycle person. Yeah. Are you a Harley person or? Well, well, I just love motorcycles in general. I actually, I've never, I've ridden Harleys, but I've never owned one, but, uh, I'm currently selling a sport, uh, touring motorcycle that I own. Um, you know, cause that's kind of what I like to do. I like to just get out on the open road and go on some trips, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that next year I get like a Harley or an Indian, more of like a, a touring bike like that. Yeah. You ride? Cool. So I'm working on that, uh, getting my own personal bike but when i was laid off from six flags um i was seeing someone who rides i mean that's his whole life is Mm -hmm. riding so we ended up i flew out to north carolina and in total we did fourteen thousand miles on a harley over two and a half months wow um and we went from north carolina down to key west and then kind of across new orleans up through texas New Mexico, Sturgis, you know, up the Black Hills, Um, uh, Montana, everywhere. It was a lot of, it was a lot. Yeah, well, I'm jealous. Mm -hmm. uh, That sounds amazing. And you were on the back the whole time? Yeah, I was on the back. Uh, And we camped most, mostly as much as we could to try to be cost efficient and just kind of bums the whole time. And then, you know, saw friends along the way. And if we knew a friend in a state, then we just kind of, 
detour and stay with them for a couple of days and see people and yeah yeah that's so. kind of the beauty about you know the motorcycles it's kind of I, like <clears throat> i was just saying the other day you know i i remember the day where i finally bought something i bought a couch and i remember having that panic attack of you know wow everything i own doesn't fit in my car anymore like i'm an adult you know, and I think that's something about the motorcycles is that you can just hop on, take your tent and your sleeping bag and, mm -hmm. and just go, you know, you can, you can be self-sufficient on that and just enjoy the wind in your face. Yeah, no, it definitely is, is crazy. And you can go places other people can't go, mm -hmm. um, you know, like traffic even, or we ended up at, um, Mount Rushmore for 4th of July, that whole wow. thing. Yeah. Um, and it would have been a pain in the ass. It would have been terrible, awful, whatever, worrying about things if we were in a car. Mm -hmm. but because we were just a motorcycle, we just kind of zipped through wherever and found a little spot to park and watch the fireworks, and it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So, yeah. Um, and you said yeah. you're, you're – are you still dating this guy? No. <laughs> yeah. So no more chips. You know, now you need to yeah. get that one for yourself. That's why, I have to, that's why I have to get my own bike now. I want yeah. to be, um, I definitely learned that I love it. I love the community is amazing. Everybody yeah. that I've met is so open and they care about each other and um, they look out for each other uh, and no matter male, female, whatever. Yeah. It's just, I feel like I have a lot of friends now in that community but I want to be self-sufficient. I want to take care of myself. Yeah. And, and I, I don't want to have to rely on somebody else for a hobby or a lifestyle. That Absolutely. I want. Yeah. You know, like you said, everybody takes care of each other. That's what that's, I think one of my favorite parts about riding the motorcycle is passing other motorcyclists and giving, you know, the little wave that you give. I love that. You know, sometimes you get some of the bike snobs and they're on a Harley or something. They won't wave at you if you don't have a Harley or something, but, but for the most part they do. And if it's, if it's cold or if it's raining out, you know, everybody kind of has that sense of compassion. You know, they're waving like, Hey, you know, we're out here. This sucks, you know? Well, in Texas, you get that when you have a truck. You get you get the hand your, your hands are on the wheel, and you get the one finger yeah. wave. Yeah, it's like, yeah, kind of like the Jeep like, wave I see, too. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. So, well, you definitely have to get a motorcycle of your yeah. own. Yeah, I'm in yeah. the market. So excellent. Um, unemployment finally came through. So. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to touch on something earlier with you growing up Seventh-day Adventist and you said you don't eat meat. Are you still a vegetarian? No, I definitely eat meat now. Over time, like in high school, I slowly started like easing into it. Yeah. I don't really remember how or what or why, but I, like I would eat chicken and then I started eating hamburgers and then and then you just were hooked because hamburgers yeah, are amazing. And then like, <laughs> like seafood and stuff, I still was really weird about for a long time. But then when I went to Hawaii, I liked, um, I really ate sushi a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and then now it's like, whatever. I think I, there's a place in town uh, called La Taberna that they have like Spanish tapas and okay. like little small plates. And the other day I went in there and had like squid a la plancha and crispy pig ears and Oh wow, uh, so you're you're adventurous. You're an adventurous like, eater. Yeah. Like lamb tartare or something. Like now it's whatever. It's free game. I'll yeah. try I'll try anything. If I don't like it, okay. Yeah. You know, and I was also curious, you know, 
growing up such an animal lover and being in the field with animals, what is your, what is your take on hunting? Are you for hunting or against hunting? It's so important. Hunting is so important to uh, the sustainability of an environment. Um, If we didn't, like if we didn't hunt deer, they would overpopulate the, the predators are not prepared to have that many deer because they they don't, there's not room to have that many predators right now for where they're at. So the deer would overpopulate. They would be sick. They would starve to death. They would get even more diseases. It would be, it's, it's really, really, really important to the ecology of an area for hunting. Um, it needs to be regulated. It needs to be done correctly. It needs to be done in season. Um, but I am all about it and harvesting, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, as long as somebody uses what they take, you know, I think that's, it's valuable. Yeah. I hate hate seeing poachers or, you know, people who shoot bears for their bile duct or whatever. And that's it. That's disappointing. But, um, I have actually, I have a hero. His name's Kevin Richardson. He's like my modern day Steve Irwin. He does a lot of work with lions in Africa. Yeah. And he said something one day, actually, I think it was in his book I was reading. Um, you know, there are lion farms in Africa. There's there's something called canned hunting where there's farms that grow lions for Americans to come over and shoot. Yeah. And these animals are in a fenced in area, which, you know, isn't really fair. So that's a little bit different. Um, but they're, they're grown to be these big, beautiful animals. And then they're quote unquote harvested. And, you know, he's, he's all about saving lions and all that, but he's over there at the lion farm looking at everything. And he says, you know, who am I to say that this creature is more magnificent than the cow who's being farmed for our needs and our uses you know, just because just because a cow is not majestic looking, mm. does it does its life matter any more or any less than this lion? Just because when I look at it, I feel a certain way. Yeah. So he went over yeah. there with a completely different mindset, but being over there and being a part of that, he's he's now introspectively kind of changing the way he thinks. Um, no, I mean, I think he was just having. I mean, he's he's from South Africa. He lives there okay. and has his own preserve, but. I think he was just trying to make a point mm-hmm. of of seeing it from that point of view. But on the other hand, these animals are not being raised humanely. So that's kind of the the sticking point of it. But he was just kind of taking it in concept of, you know, who are we to say which animal is deserving of our adoration, like, you know, one or the other, just because we have put placed a certain value on it. Yeah. So that, that was kind of interesting, but... Yeah, I, I can, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that thought, and I can, I can see, you know, the other point, like you said, the sticking point. You know, as long as they're, they're being, you know, raised humanely, I guess, and treated fairly. Yes, um, which is hard to regulate, and not, it's probably not going to happen because of these people are just wanting to make money. Right. So. Yeah, you know, and I, I've, I, a lot of people in my family hunt and everything, but I was never into it. My dad has an identical twin brother and his twin and all of their kids, you know, they were really big into it, but my father was never really big into mm-hmm. hunting. So I never got into it, but it is yeah. something I've always wanted to do. I mean, I really enjoy the outdoors and being outside, but one of the things that have really stopped me is that my wife, you know, my wife, she's really picky about like her meats and everything. And I think mm-hmm. she really likes the the clinical version of the, 
the meat wrapped in cellophane at the store, even yes. though, you know, even though that paper package, it's, yeah, you know, or mm-hmm. I think it's better, you know, to get out there, you know, actually hunt for your food, harvest your, your own food and feed your family and use everything. But I know that my wife won't actually eat the food. You know, if I shot a deer or an elk, she, right. she would shy away from that. And that's one of the reasons yeah. I'm like, well, I'm not going to just go kill the animal for no reason. Um, right. So, so that's, you know, one big reason that I've never got into it. Cause I just figured, figure out it's great for other people, but maybe you know, it's just not for my family at the moment. Yeah. So. Well, and there's, there's definitely, like you said, the clinical side of it, it's easier um, when you're detached from, from things, which there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Um, like the animals that I have personally raised, I prefer to pass them on to other people. Mm-hmm. I don't mind doing the um, processing. I can process them myself, but the actual eating of them, I prefer to send them to other people from like animals that I know personally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you never give your food a name, I guess, you know? No, I mean, and it's hard and and I've had to euthanize plenty of, of animals in, in the moment. And it's one of those things I just, I take it as, you know, it's a part of my responsibility and um, if I can do it well, then, then that's better. And one of our biggest, like, Many of my friends that are in the industry, it's not my quote at all, but what we like to say is, you know, the quality of my work is the quality of their life, you know? Yeah, so no, that's beautiful, I, yeah. I get to go home at the end of the day, um, but this, you know, how I clean their pen, how I how I feed them, how I medicate them, how I observe them, um, every how we give enrichment all the time to make their lives better, to to stimulate natural behaviors, to make sure that all their needs are met in every single way. You know, at the end of the day though, I go home and they're, they are there. That yeah. That's the entire life. And then I come back from the world and that's where they're at. So I take that very personally in making sure that their life is full and fulfilled and, and that they get everything that they need, you know, all their needs are met. So yeah. it's just, and including death and making sure that if they were to decline or be ill or be sick or if something were to happen, that I make sure that that is given to them properly and that they get the respect that they deserve in that way, too, whether they're yeah. a food animal or, you know, in a zoo or whatever it is. So, yeah, well, that's I mean, that's a that's a great outlook on it. And, you know, you definitely put a lot of time into it. And it sounds like you kind of got out of that um you know, to kind of take care of the most important animal in your life, you know, your daughter, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I could see, you know, with all the work that you've done over the years and everything, I think that that, at least in, in me, just listening to you talk, do you think that that's kind of helped you become a better parent? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm able to be empathetic of her. I never wanted to, like, never planned to have kids, you know, um, it's just kind of something that happened mm. and that's a whole nother side story, but, um, they always are, right? <laughs> but, um, and so I was like, Holy shit. What, how, I don't even like kids, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I still see that, but I like mine and I'm figuring it out. You know, I, I like today we had our, our parent teacher conference and, it was great. And there's, you know, I'm like, okay, we're doing good. This is good. Everything's okay. Okay. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. 
So, I mean, I, I would say yes. I think it gives us my animal things. It gives me patience. Um, and even so something when I'm working with my animals, you have to be in the moment. You can't be thinking about the fight you had with your boyfriend, you know, this morning before you got in the car. You can't be thinking about being hungry or, you know, my leg hurts or I can't, you know, I don't want to do go to the dentist after work today or whatever. You have to be like I'm sitting here staring down a giraffe asking it to move, please. <laughs> and yeah. You have to be paying attention and in the moment and aware of my surroundings and aware of what's going on and completely freeing because the rest of the world does not exist in that moment. And you get the weight of the world lifted off your shoulders and you get to focus on what's in front of you. Um, And I think everybody should find something that does that for them. Riding a motorcycle is another one. You must pay attention. You cannot be wandering and worrying about things you have to be in the moment Mm -hmm. so i think i've been able to do that with my daughter you know when she's having a complete meltdown or she's telling me a funny story or whatever it is i'm able to or the same the same funny story 10 times in a row (laughs) or the one funny story that lasts for 10 hours yeah you're like yes wow wow okay uh-huh yeah mm, yeah. Mm. yeah and so being able to focus i think and and take in the moment and not be you know impatient and frustrated about the rest of what else is going on you know mm. i think that definitely is something that's helped with my parenting yeah and it sounds like you you know you've picked up a lot of life lessons through your work with animals i mean is this something have you ever regretted it or is this something that you wouldn't change for the world? Um, I would never do anything else. I don't know what else I would do because I've literally only ever worked with animals and I feel like I owe it to them because not to make myself sound important or anything, but it's something I'm very good at and Mm. I'm realizing that, that, other people just aren't. And so I feel like I would be taking away from them if I chose to do something else, that that would be very selfish of me. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I get the dichotomy of sometimes I feel very selfish because I enjoy this so much and it does not pay well. I will always struggle financially. That's just part of it. And it's like I've had on zookeeper groups on Facebook. That's just a running joke. Like, the the things that we do mm-hmm. and the conditions we work in and the pay that we get is just laughable. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when a wild animal looks at you and chooses to spend time with you of their own will, this completely wild animal says, Hey, I want to spend time with you. There's literally nothing like it. Like, yeah, you're right. That part I wouldn't I wouldn't trade for the world. When a lion comes over and lays down next to me and just starts licking, you know, licking his paw and and just chooses to be near me at that time, like there's no there's I can't I can't describe it. There's nothing like yeah. it. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel lucky that I can 
give these opportunities to my daughter also. You know, she's yeah. been around crazy stuff already. She got to come to Safari West, West with me plenty of times. And she's learning the value of hard work and it pays off, you know, and mm-hmm. she has a good work ethic, which whatever she decides to do, um, she can take that good work ethic and apply it to, you know, whatever career yeah, I, yeah, I think that's one of the most important things for kids to learn, you know, which which is sad, you know, in today's world, you know, uh, that is something I feel like is lacking in a lot of, of a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. She loves her TikTok videos, too. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, she's a great. I am not because, well, again, back to the Seventh-day Adventist thing, we weren't allowed to dance. Um, I am not a good dancer, uh, but she is she's super athletic and she has natural rhythm about her. So that's great. Who knows? Maybe she that will be her bad paying career. That's her passion thing. And I will support her through that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, do, it does sound like you've actually found, you know, I think that's the struggle in life, you know, is to find something for work that you're also passionate about. You know, it's nice when the pay is there, but when it, that's mm-hmm. kind of secondary to what it is that you're interested in and actually want to yeah. do with your life. I think, that's, I think that's great that you've found, you know, your place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you know, people can be passionate about anything. I can talk to someone who says that they're an accountant. And I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> do you love it? And they're like, yes, I get to meet all these people and do this and, and really get to know them through and help them through these hard times. Right. And it's great. Awesome. Yeah, more power yeah. to you, right? Because we're not all built that way. <laughs> with no, the, no, but the but if someone's like, oh, I, just, I hate my job, I hate this, I'm like, I can't talk to you. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't have anything to relate. So yeah. I think it's just about finding um, what moves you and, and what you can, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like the cheesiest thing in the world, but like, how, how are you going to change the world, whether your world is, you know, your tiny corner and, you know, the bottom two thirds of southeast napa or your world is the actual world you know your actions and your job and your career has an impact and i think it's important for people to be invested in that so right yeah excuse me and what what do you think it is about animals you know because i see this i i think i know why i think it is you know that animals kind of like pull our heartstrings and really get to us you know why is that because you see some people they're they're willing to walk past, you know, a homeless person on the street and let them starve, et cetera. But, but they would never do that to an animal. You know, what is it about animals that do that to us? I think because people see animals as pure and, and it is true. So, you know, an animal will never, and I mean, there's a few exceptions, but an animal will never lie to you. An animal will never um, deceive you or, or double back or, make what you see is what you get and um and people hold on to that because you can't with humans okay so they're nice to me today what does that mean it's so complicated with animals it's just love and even if it's one-sided um you know you loving the animal they either say they either accept it or they don't um so there's that part of it um and them not not lying to you is a huge thing, I think. And oh, there's something else I used to always say. I can't remember what it is now about uh, why animals are so much better than people. <laughs> I'll think of it probably in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, 
the the thing that I had in my brain about you know why that is about animals was kept very dissimilar to the same thing. You know, they're just always real. There's nothing fake about mm-hmm. them. You know, if they don't want to talk to you or whatever, they just wander off. You know, yeah. they, but yeah. but again, when they do want to spend time with you, like you said, with the lion laying down and you know mm-hmm. licking their paw, you know, just choosing to spend time with you, I think you know I, that's I love the realness of them. And I, and one of the things that I most admire, I have I have three dogs. One of them, one of them is a little Chihuahua, and she's like my little baby, my little princess. But mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of nice. You know, they don't talk. You know, sometimes we go all day, and all we hear is just the noise of everything. And sometimes it's nice just to be with, you know, mm-hmm. you know, your pet or some other animal, and they're just not talking. You're just spending time, but you're you're getting a chance to decompress, even though you're actually spending time with a living thing. Yeah, because yeah, you, like, you don't get that a lot with with children, you know. Even no matter how much I love my children, you know. Right. But there's there need something. There was always a motive. There's always a yeah. Yeah, there's always something going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's animals are a weird thing, and and people definitely um, anthropomorphize a lot, which is giving human characteristics to animals. Mm-hmm. You know, I see that all the time. People are like look at zoos, they look at the lion and they're like, Oh, he's so sad. Look at him. He's just <laughs> laying there. And I'm like, yes, they actually sleep between 15 and 18 hours a day. And what you didn't see earlier was his keeper spending two hours stuffing meat into a little jolly ball thing so that he could chase it around before the zoo opened um, and have a great time. And now he's exhausted and taking his 12 hour nap. Uh, so no, he's not sad. Yeah. Um, he's the most happy lion he could ever be. So <laughs> that, you know, something that happens in the public with people think zoos are so bad. And we as, as zookeepers are generally better with animals than people. So we're bad at communicating what is really going on to the public. So I don't blame the public really for for hating us and thinking we're, I've been called a million names, you know, and I'm like, trust me, I have spent more hours crying over these animals than you ever would consider. Um, but we do so much for them and people just don't, don't see it. So yeah, um, yeah, the anthropomorphizing thing is, is interesting, but at the same time it can be used beneficially. Like you said, like, um, them just coming and laying down next to you like oh they're content they're happy that's mm-hmm. good so. yeah yeah very interesting mm-hmm. yeah well you know we've been talking for I think just over an hour now or just about um so we'll probably wrap I'd it probably, up oh, go I ahead. probably rambled all over the place oh <laughs> not at all this is great you know this is exactly why I started this show was to talk to people exactly like you you know you know we don't hear this that often you know it's great to talk to someone who's actually spent a lot of time in a field and to be able to pull out some of those life lessons that are learned through you know random things that you know complete strangers do in their life that's exactly why I started the show and why, <laughs> and you know and kind of while why I'm really passionate about you know just getting to know people and I really appreciate your time today and I you know it's great that uh, you're no longer a stranger and I really oh. hope I really hope that everything works out for you, and I hope you get your motorcycle and you have many many adventures in for yes. your, in your life. Yeah, I think yeah, motorcycles and and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. It was good to talk to you. Yeah, Caitlin, you too. Have a good night. Okay. Right, thanks. Bye. Okay. Bye.
And there you have it, folks, Caitlin Toole. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Stranger Conversations podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on the conversation. And don't forget you'll find extra content on all of our social media and our YouTube channel as well. I'll link to all of those in the show notes. Please like, follow, share, and subscribe to this podcast so we can continue to share the lives and lessons of those around us hidden in plain sight. That's all for today, but stay tuned for the conversation.